0: You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, politics, security, and more. I'm Jeff Rathke, President of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome to this episode of The Zeitgeist. I'm Jeff Rathke, President of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. We're going to start today's discussion um, with drones, but it's really about Germany's role in European and transatlantic um, security policy. Uh, I'm really pleased uh, to have as a guest today Dr Ulrike Franke from the uh, European Council on Foreign Relations uh, we'll say a bit more about uh, Ulrike in a moment. Um, as I said, drones are our entry point uh, today and in particular the trouble they've been causing lately for the Social Democratic Party of Germany, um, a coalition member in Chancellor Angela Merkel's uh, government. Um, But this is uh, about much broader issues of of Germany's role uh, in the world, uh, Germany's changing conception uh, of security policy and what impact that's going to have uh, more broadly. Ulrike Franke is a recidivist. Uh, This is her second appearance uh, on the Zeitgeist uh, podcast. Uh, You can go to episode 14 if you want to hear our earlier conversation. She is an expert on security and defense, especially the impact of new technologies. And she's with the ECFR uh, in London. She's also the co-host of the German language podcast on security and defense policy, policy, which is called Sicherheitshalber. something I highly recommend to all German speakers uh, out there. Um, welcome, Rika.
1: Well, thanks a lot for having me. It's great to be back.
0: You know, I saw uh, an article recently that uh, that's, that said you have the nickname Dr. Drone. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> I, or is I that a little bit know. of exa-
0: exaggeration
1: i thought I thought it was a little bit of exaggeration. I, I don't think anyone has called me that to my face. maybe they they talk talk about me behind my back and call me Dr. Drone, although I think there are worse things to be called behind your back. Um, but yeah, it just shows that I've been working on the on the topic of drones and drones policy for for quite a long time, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, well, good. Uh, so uh, we'll stick with Rika rather than Dr. Drone <laughs> for the purposes of today's uh, conversation. Um, you know, th- th- this this issue exploded in the last month or so uh, within the SPD. Um, and I don't want to, you know, get too deep into SPD politics, but I think that's uh, illustrative in a way. But can you tell us a little bit about what the issue is that, uh, that split the SPD apart on, on Drone's?
1: yeah yeah and it's interesting i mean you're right when you say it exploded a little while ago and then this has been an issue lately but but truth be told this whole debate about armed drones and whether germany should acquire armed drones for the the german luftwaffe um, for the bundeswehr has started already 12 years ago so this debate is actually a very long one Um, and it's also been a topic that has already caused problems between the the governing coalition of CDU CSU and SPD um, not just in this legislative period but also in the the one before so 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 4 years ago so we already had the same situation as we have now that the coalition had more or less decided or at least talked about you know finally agreeing to buy these armed drones for for Germany and then at pretty much the very last moment, the SPD stepped back saying, oh, we're not ready yet to make that decision. And this is exactly what happened um, a little while ago, and it already happened four years ago before the last election. And so once again, we're at this situation where the CDU-CSU um, wants to, to buy, to acquire these armed drone systems um, for the Luftwaffe. The, the, the Bundeswehr has been calling for this for a very long time, again, at least right. a decade. And, and the SPD, the, the thing that, that, in a way, I find most annoying is that the SPD isn't even saying we are against this. They keep saying we need a bigger debate uh, yeah. about this. We need to talk about this more. We haven't really talked about this enough. And so... Right now, it doesn't look as if this coalition, which, you know, is is uh, only going to last until September when the next election is starting. It doesn't look as if this coalition will get, in fact, the side um, on, on the matter. So they may just right. be kicking down the, the can down the road again.
0: Right. So um, a, a couple of points to, to, to draw out there first. Um, Germany and the Luftwaffe, of course, they have uh, drones, unmanned mm-hmm. uh, aerial systems, um, but not armed ones. So that's the first point uh, to yes. start from. And, and, and what is the particular system that was uh, at issue uh, in this case? Um, you know, for what purpose um, uh, was uh, would, would Germany have acquired this one?
1: Yeah, so, so as you say, uh, the, the Bundeswehr has been flying a number of un, unmanned but unarmed systems, so surveillance systems, for several decades, especially in Afghanistan. And now the Bundeswehr would like to, to lease. It's actually a leasing contract rather than a buying one, but anyway. And they want to lease a, an, an Israeli system. It's called a Heron-TP system which is, I mean, a surveillance drone that can also be armed. And right now, the decision to lease the, the system as such has been taken. This is going to happen, and we're already training soldiers on this, and, and these things will be developed, uh, sorry, delivered. But the question is whether or not they will be armed, and they should be armed with a number of of, of different um, rockets and, and missiles, um, rather. Um, and, and we need a special decision from... The, the Bundestag from the relevant committee to make that mm-hmm. happen. Um, right. And the systems, so what should they be used for? This, this is in a way that the crux of the matter, because you can use armed drones for a range of different um, missions. And we all very well know that that the U.S. is, and especially the CIA has been quite famous for using armed drones outside of official battle spaces to, to kill um well, alleged terrorists, and there's been a big debate about this internationally and also in Germany, but the Bundeswehr doesn't say that they want to do that. Um, They basically say that the main reason why they would like armed drones is because they're really good at protecting your own troops. Basically, they can follow your troops around. This is already something that's happening with unarmed drones. Um, Whenever in Afghanistan a, a, a Bundeswehr troop was leaving the camp, it was actually followed by an unarmed drone. That, that provided protection and so far as it could just tell the troops on the ground like what was happening, what was ahead, right. whether they were being attacked and, and something like that. And so now the, the Bundeswehr would like to have what they called armed overwatch, which would mean ha- having these systems armed and then they could help defend these troops on the ground.
0: Yeah, which as a practical matter is essentially um, in that scenario, is uh, to make it much simpler. Instead of calling in an airstrike uh, mm-hmm. f- uh, in, in in an emergency uh, from, let's say, an American aircraft that is based on the other side of the country, um, you have a, an asset that is readily available and that can react much more quickly, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think the, the one thing that you hit uh, on is is important, and that is that the you know the public perception of the role that uh, UAVs play. In, uh, in modern security, I think is really lagging behind the times. And that it seems to be one of the roots of this problem, because as you've said, you know, people, uh, I think it, the, the German discussion about drones for anybody other than a real specialist is people have this image of um, you know, drone strikes against terrorists um, you know, about which people might have international legal concerns and so on and so forth. It is, it is that that people think about rather than the much more practical uh, ways in which drones play a role uh, around the world, frankly. Uh, we'll talk probably more about the Armenia-Azerbaijan uh, war over Nagorno-Karabakh a little bit later in our conversation. But I think that's an example of, of how the public perceptions really are lagging behind the reality. Would you agree with that?
1: But it's actually interesting, because on the one hand, they're lagging behind. On the other hand, they're going too far, because I think there are two main issues that that has kind of rallied a lot of people against armed drones. And one is indeed this use of drones for targeted killings, and also these so-called signature strikes by the US that I mentioned. And here, this perception really has kind of poisoned uh, the German debate. However, the other aspect is more a future aspect of autonomy in warfare and kind of killer robots. And this is something I've heard, especially SPD politicians saying, basically, they said, we are against armed drones because we are against um, an automization or more autonomy in warfare. And this also doesn't make much sense because these systems that we're talking about, these here on TP, are remotely piloted systems. Um, they have several pilots or operators, uh, their payload, so the, the missiles will be operated by a human being and not a robot. So one can, by the way, as I am doing, one can very easily say autonomous weapons are probably not a good idea, but but you can still be in favor of acquiring armed drones. So it's these right. two elements basically.
0: Yeah, and um, so th- as you said, the, uh, the Social Democrats um, uh, were, uh, they, they decided uh, not to make a decision um, basically, uh, and, uh, and it led to some consequences. Uh, first, first of all, I think it's you know, important, the party's leadership, if you take the two co-leaders, uh, Norbert uh, Walter-Borjans and Saskia Esken, as well as the leader of the Social Democratic Caucus in the Bundestag, uh, Rolf Mützenich, uh, they all came down uh, on the side of, of not supporting uh, the acquisition um, of, uh, of armed uh, drones. There are a number of um, uh, security policy figures in, in the SPD. Uh, most uh, prominently, the, the gentleman who was the speaker for uh, security and defense issues uh, in the Bundestag caucus, Fritz Felgentroy, He stepped down from that position um, because he disagreed with the decision. Um, Foreign Minister Heiko Maas uh, uh, also um, was a, uh, uh, you know, a supporter, of, uh, of Felgen-Troy's uh, substantive uh, point of view. Uh, I think it's fair to say, although um, he recognized that the party was uh, not ready to move forward. So, so you have a, a variety of, of people uh, in the SPD um, a, a leadership and in influential positions, um, and they've been split by this. But I think it's pretty clear that the, uh, the, the anti-drone position is dominant right now
1: it it does appear so yes um i mean i think it's dominant within i mean certainly within the the base and the the voters probably um of the the SPD although i mean we shouldn't pretend as if the general public knows a lot about you know yeah. these kind of rather specific um, uh, issues, but but yeah, I think I think there is a majority of of city voters and and of, of their their members that are against. Um, but it is true that that those that have looked into this in a bit more detail and are more experts. I mean, it's not as if they're all in favor, but but those are you know among those you have more that that are in favor. But I don't I don't really see much change between now and September on this issue. Yeah.
0: Or frankly, if there were um, another grand coalition um, after that, that election, but that's that's a bit farther
1: out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so it's really led to a marginalization of the centrist and the uh, uh, security policy uh, voices uh, in in the SPD. Uh, but but I think what's also important to keep in mind is that this isn't really just an SPD issue. Uh, if if we look at other uh, political parties, uh, in particular the Green Party, uh, which is uh, you know considered quite likely to be a part of the next uh, government and if you if you do the math uh, of public opinion polling that certainly it certainly seems uh, like a, a, a green uh, coalition with the CDU is likely um, uh, or some kind of more more uh, fanciful left-wing coalition. Anyway the greens are likely to be in the government. Um, their position is actually um, uh, much more definitive because they've ruled out. Um, the use of armed drones. It's not an open question in their view. Um, is that, isn't, isn't that uh, right?
1: Well, so the Greens are really interesting in a way. Um, and, and you are right in terms of likely future coalitions, as far as one can say now, and um, the, Greens, the Greens definitely have a good shot of being in the next um, government. And if they are in a government with the CDU, that that that's gonna be quite a big step for both of these parties, right? Because the Greens, they legitimately come from the peace movement like they have quite a few you know actual pacifists in their ranks and 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 this is you know always quite tricky when you're in government yeah you know independently of who you, you 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 are in a coalition with um that being said i'm at this point um so frustrated is frustrated by the last you know four and really eight years of just like non movement of all on all these security and defense fronts that I would definitely welcome um, having you know the real debates uh, with the the greens so so I can I'm 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 very. Po- Let's, let's put it that way, I'm very cautiously optimistic that if it actually is a, a black green, so CDU green coalition, that at least we can go back and actually talk about substance rather than just kicking the can down the road and, and SPD not moving at all. Um, and so on, on armed drones, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There are a few decisions that need to be made uh, that are currently on the table. It's not just armed drones, which in the end, is a relatively minor issue, although it's interesting. But it's not as if the Bundeswehr can't do without armed drones. Um, but but it's also a question of nuclear sharing. Um, right. There is there is an acquisition decision coming up um, on on nuclear sharing, and so there are a bit more more important decisions to be taken. And I am yeah cautiously optimistic that the Greens won't just you know refuse everything because then they can't really be in a coalition. Um, and it, I've, I actually read the new program that the Greens put out, um, and there's a section, of course, on, on foreign policy and security and defense policy, and and I thought it was quite interesting that, number one, they don't actually say something about armed drones, which I found striking, and I was wondering whether there was a little opening there, and they've also changed a little bit their, their kind of phrasing on nuclear weapons and stationing of nuclear weapons in Germany, which they are against and want to end, but they basically changed the formulation that made it at least possible to kind of keep going for a little longer and to just phase out eventually. And mm-hmm. and so basically I'm kind of hoping that there's a little bit of wiggle room. I, I you know, know a few people with within the greens that, that are, you know, definitely kind of sensible people. And yes, it's true. They are coming from a very peace movement um, background, which doesn't necessarily sit well with quite a few um, uh, CDU uh, politicians, but but maybe 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 this is actually the coalition, if you like, that will manage to create a more coherent German security and defense policy. I'm kind of thinking mm-hmm. like if if one coalition can do that, it's it's these two because with the CDU and and the the Greens, you kind of have. A very comprehensive um, view of of security and policy, uh, security policy uh, from Germany together, and, and maybe they'll manage that, but maybe they will just block right. each other. So,
0: right. <laughs> well, and and the Greens, as as I understand it, you know, you're right. They have published a new party program. Uh, was approved at the end of last year. Um, they are going to have another um, party convention in 2021, in which they will approve their. Uh, kind of election campaign yeah. platform, so I think we'll probably see more of this um, uh, soon. And uh, you know, it, I, I thought it was interesting the way you described the, the way they've left some openings. Uh, I imagine that also there's a, a bit of a, a calculation on the SPD's part that by by you know keeping this issue open, they actually make the Greens' job a bit harder. Um, it, it, would be, yeah. it would be easier for the Greens to swallow a decision that has already been made by a German government uh, to acquire armed drones and then to deal with that fact. Um, uh, but it, by putting off the issue, uh, the SPD has basically given the Greens an issue on which they can tear themselves apart um, if, they, if they choose to. Um, so yeah.
1: uh, may not, maybe not good that's, for that's-
0: statesmanship, but it certainly uh, could be politically uh, in- effective.
1: That, that would definitely be a, a clever strategy, um, and you may be right about this. I think um, my sense was four years ago, again, same situation. It was relatively you know, soon before an election, and the SPD said they didn't want to decide on armed drones, and there I definitely got the sense that... They just didn't expect to return to government. And so they were just saying, like, we don't want to take this decision now because then it's going to be someone else who has to take it. And then they were really surprised in a way, as we were all, that we had once again an, an, um, uh, a grand coalition and they had, they were almost, yeah. you know, um, uh, dragged into government, kicking and streaming. Um, and then they <laughs> had the issue uh, again. And I think, and I think, yeah, now they're they're basically thinking the same thing where it's somewhat unlikely that they will return to, to government. Although, you know, we'll see what happens with this EU yeah. and none of this is settled, we're a long way until September. But, but yeah, I think now they're basically saying like, let's let someone else take this potentially yeah. unpopular decision.
0: Um, you know, uh, Of course, the, the internal politics uh, and the party politics of this is fascinating, but I think um, it's also good to take a step back and look at this in a broader European and international perspective. Um, uh, because uh, you know this, I think this situation. You, you were right, Rika, when you said that you know the Bundeswehr is not going to stand and fall on the issue of whether they have armed drones. Uh, but this does say something about Germany's ability to modernize its defense policy and adapt to the changing way of war. Um, and uh, and I think uh, that the message about uh, uh, in that regard is not a very uh, optimistic one.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is true. I mean, it's it's actually interesting. I've been thinking about this um, lately, also because my my, my colleague Jana Puliarin, who I think was also already on your your podcast once, um, exactly. She, yes, um, she has just written a, a paper on kind of Merkel and security and defense policy, and I think she made a very good point, which was to say that, you know, Angela Merkel has been in power for almost sixteen years now. She certainly was a you know pretty. Grand Chancellor and and she did many things right and was, was definitely well respected internationally but she never really quite warmed up to defense and security issues herself either, um, despite being from the CDU, which of all German parties is kind of most open to to these topics. Um, And so I think it's quite important to note that, she never invested her political capital on any kind of security and defense decisions. Um, She was never on the forefront of these debates. She never even, and that's really striking when you think about it, she never even made any kind of bigger, you know, foreign and security policy speeches, you know, the kind that you know, the French president does like all the time. Um <laughs> every and she, well and every
0: year, in fact. Exactly,
1: yeah. Uh, yes. And she was against you know being asked to do that. And and so so basically what I'm saying is that um over the last you know, you know, decade and a half, really, and even before this, that there, there, there was this situation that the coalitions didn't really want to talk about and, and make many decisions on security and defense. Um and this wasn't also forced, this issue wasn't forced by the chancellor, so the leader of the party, the leader of the coalition, the leader of the government either. And mm-hmm. so it's actually really curious, I'm, I'm very curious to see once we have a new um, candidate for chancellorship and then a new chancellor, how he, it's very likely going to be a he, how he will you know, position himself on these things. So I think the chancellor has some leeway of influencing that. So there may also be some movement on that, but um, yeah, yeah, hard to say.
0: Well, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, the Merkel has been, I agree, um, you know, sort of a, a weighted blanket um, uh, on, on security policy issues for Germany um, for much of her, uh, her tenure. Um, and it's kind of remarkable if when you compare um, it's the seven years in which Gerhard Schroeder uh, and a, a green government or a green coalition partner were in power, and the number of things that changed. you had the Kosovo war, uh, the deployment in Afghanistan, um, you know, big changes in uh, Germany's engagement uh, internationally um, and comparatively little on mm-hmm. the security policy front uh, in the last 15, uh, 15 years. It's been incremental. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, I, I look forward to reading Jana's uh, uh, piece. Uh, I haven't yet, but I think uh, there's really, there, there's a real point there that, um, that Merkel has never made the security policy issues her own. Um, uh, She's tried to manage them, um, but uh, they have not been areas where she's tried to push uh, Germany forward. Um, So, okay, I take your point that under a a new CDU leadership and most likely a different coalition uh, after September, um, this may open up the uh, uh, possibility of, of of a more focused, public debate and decisions um, that that can then uh, uh, update things. Um, of course, there are broader implications when you look at the, uh, the, the drone issue, um, and not only the drone issue, but if you think about France uh, and it, the industrial, defense industrial partnership with Germany, mm-hmm. um, there are other related issues that are out there. Uh, of, of course, uh, there is the future combat air system, the sort of next generation, um, uh, not even just a sixth generation fighter, it's a a whole system uh, that Germany and France are developing together. Um, There have been some disagreements bubbling about things like export control policy Mm -hmm. uh, where France and Germany have widely divergent uh, views. Um, uh, But now you also have uh, this uh, this drone uh, issue that comes into as well, because that's a a component of of the future combat air system. Um, what do you think, what message do you think this sends to Germany's closest international partners, let's say in France, um, about the, the ability to engage in these kinds of decades-long um, defense industrial projects um, when you're not even sure if a German government is going to uh, agree to acquire uh, armed drones?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think our Partners, European allies have been a bit baffled by this this whole debate, um, and and yeah, continue to, to look at, at, at these discussions with surprise. Um, so on the the FCAS, the Future Combat Air System that, that France, Germany, and now Spain um, want to build together. So this is definitely a long-term project, right? This this twenty aircraft, forty
0: is the uh, is the uh, the target it, date, exactly, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the, the, this aircraft, although it's a whole system indeed, but but this aircraft is supposed to fly in 2040, 2045. I mean, these things also always take longer. So I, I wouldn't bet my money on twenty forty. So this is relatively. Um, long into the future and and you're right that this whole system includes drone swarms uh, armed drone swarms as far as we know um it's definitely in development so we don't we don't quite know yet but but you're right i mean at this point by 2040 germany really will have it needed to, to have taken a decision on armed drones. And, and if it wants to, to acquire the, the system, it, it will kind of have to um, said yes to armed drones. So that's indeed kind of a deadline um, that's coming up. But in a way, there's another project, another European project that even comes before, which is the Euro drone, um, has had different names, Euro drone, um, Euro mail, whatever. It doesn't quite matter. But, but this is an armed drone system. Um, pretty much like the American Reaper, if you like, mm-hmm, that the Europeans right. wanted to build together. It's definitely an effort to say, you know, this is a capability we would like to be able to produce in Europe, um, and so we want to build this together. And and this is a system um, that that yeah is, is supposed to fly much earlier. And um, basically, Germany here had hidden a bit behind the partners. So when this was decided. Um, this was still under von der Leyen, so our previous defense minister. When this was decided, von der Leyen basically said, "Yeah, so this is going to be an armed drone because our allies wanted to be an armed drone." So, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, but but now, if this ever comes to comes to fruition, um, yeah, Germany will will need to decide whether or not it actually wants to acquire the system, and it can't really get out of this this uh, project. I think so. So I think let's put it that way i think european allies know that germany is a bit of a tricky partner when it comes to security and defense this isn't news this isn't news um hasn't th- th- we've seen this in afghanistan where of course germany was involved and and um uh had losses and and did some fighting but overall germany was the german soldiers were mainly stationed in the more peaceful north that didn't do quite as much fighting as other european allies um so so this isn't exactly news to them but but it is it is tricky and especially tricky for france who would like to do more on the european level and would like to do more with with germany especially now also that brexit has happened um so I think I think our european allies are a bit cautious when it comes to to working with germany on yeah. security and defense they know that 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 we are ne- we're never really quite in um and 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 views can change depending on who's in power and um i think this this puts a strain on the the relationship and on the the cooperation and and efcas the, the franco-german project is already not doing that well like there's a lot of problems of who leads on what and and it's it's not that easy um really already so um yeah yeah it's it's tricky that being said for for germany it's often quite important to know that there are allies that are um asking something of us like that's yeah. actually a, an, an argument that works quite well within germany to say i mean we need to do x and y because our allies Want this, and yeah. we, we need to do this in order to to play well with the others. Like that's actually a kind of important political argument.
0: Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know to, to maybe to kind of bring this uh, uh, full circle. Um, I think that last point you made, Rika, is really important because um, uh, if you if you focus only on the particular details of the political um, you know difficulties within individual German parties. Um, uh, and the difficulties of making it is you know particular decisions. Um, it's possible to get kind of depressed about this, but um, but if you if you take a step back, you know, and look at Germany's hierarchy of security policy uh, and foreign policy priorities, at the very top is the um, is European integration, the uh, ability of the European Union to act internationally, um, and. And so uh, it seems to me that if, um, you know, if and when the debate is, becomes one, the decision is a, is a choice between uh, Germany's European vocation and moving forward on cooperative projects uh, that uh, are significant in a European context, um, or sticking to some kind of idealistic um, uh, quasi-pacifistic uh, view of a specific weapon system I think the German system is still geared to choose the first. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, I, I I am I guess my my cautionary note to people, especially who look at this from uh, a Washington perspective, um, a, and who might say, "My God, the Germans are tearing themselves apart about drones." Um, <laughs> that's a that's a twenty year old issue, if not. Mm-hmm. Older. Um, it's uh, you know, it's it's easy to to see this pessimistically, but. Um, The the big thing is that any German leader is going to to be focused on um, maintaining European uh, unity, and when you look at that in a security and defense context, um, I think that's going to help resolve uh, in a pragmatic way uh, a lot of these issues, but it's going to take time to get there
1: i think you're right and i would just add european unity but also transatlantic unity Like that also matters quite a bit um when i was talking about allies um yes. so so yes it's definitely so it's european union and european unity is very high up on the the list of priorities but so are transatlantic relations once again especially within the cdu but also just just overall and so i think many of the same arguments here also also hold so um nuclear sharing, which again certainly isn't uh, popular with a lot of people, um, is also something that is that is done among others because it's you know part of the transatlantic relationship and yes, it also definitely keeps us safe but a lot of people may not realize this, but it's also there's also this element of you know, our American partners um, uh, want this from us. And so I think that's that's definitely an, an, an important um, element of this debate. And maybe just the last point, I mean we should also not forget that the world is changing and people are recognizing that. So it's it's one thing to be to adopt a pretty pacifist or at least you know, largely anti-anti-military and anti-military, uh, operations um, a position when you are on an island of peace and happiness and not much is happening. Um, unfortunately that isn't the situation anymore and I think even within Germany, where this realization is is dawning very slowly only, um, it it, it is coming. And so I I think we're going to see some movement um, by some political actors that say, I mean, yes, we would love for the world to be peaceful and for us to invest money in in kindergartens rather rather than um, military equipment. But, But, you know, the world may require us to do more. And so maybe slowly um, there is some change. I've adopted a very you know optimistic tone in this in this uh, podcast as you might have seen but yeah I'm kind of hopeful that maybe now things are gonna at least you know change a little bit move forward a little bit that we're gonna have the right discussions because we can't just be stuck in these you know discussions that just keep going and going and never really um, end.
0: <laughs> right right. Well. Um, I think that's a, a perfect place uh, for us to, uh, to wrap up. Um, uh, Rika, I want to thank you for uh, making time to, to join us for this discussion. Uh, I think this is going to be uh, you know, a, a, a specific issue that will be with us for a while, but I think the broader point is, yeah. how, does, uh, how does Germany relate to its, its European partners, to the transatlantic relationship, and, uh, and, and how is its uh, defense policy likely to evolve um, as it confronts these, uh, these, you know, sometimes thorny political questions um, that are in some ways about the country's own self-image. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, so I wanna thank you for uh, helping uh, helping our listeners uh, put these things uh, in, in that perspective. And uh, we look forward, perhaps in the future, to uh, having you as a, as a guest. Uh, again, you could become the, thir- the first, uh, the first uh, three-time uh, uh, on uh, Zeitgeist. We'll see uh, when we can find the opportunity. So uh, thanks so much.
1: Well, thanks a lot for having me.
0: All right. And we look forward to having uh, all of you listeners uh, with us again on the next uh, episode of The, of the Zeitgeist. Uh, we have a couple of episodes that are going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So um, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, telling you more about those um, as, uh, uh, as time moves on. Uh, thanks. And we'll be with you again soon. Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist a podcast produced by the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Send us your feedback by email to info at AICGS.org, or catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AICGS. Don't forget to check out AICGS.org for more information from today's episode. Auf Wiedersehen.